So many previews, so many previews, so many previews. And now, our feature presentation. <gasps> if that's a phrase you like to hear, then you'll love Movie Call. Start the movie! Let's go. And coming at you from the basement of the basement of WCBTA 20 in Chicago, this is a sports cubicle where the inmates run the asylum and our boss, he's going to yell us on Monday morning. Because we're working overtime, and yeah, it is spring training season, baby. We got our big old MLB preview. Lonzo Ball's being benched for what seems like the rest of the season. And are the Chicago Blackhawks going to trade anybody? Well, I want to. Well, only one way to find out. Mercado, take it away. It may be only hinting at spring here in Chicago, but we know it's right around the corner because pitchers and catchers and games are actually being played in Arizona and Florida for Major League Baseball spring training. And we're going to break down some fun stuff as we head into Cactus and Grapefruit League here on the Sports Cubicle. It's the Marvelous One, Dan Marvel, Devin Tingle, Paul Shavari, and myself, Mike Mercado, and Paulie and I, I have something fun for Paulie. I printed out, that's right, kids, from the actual paper, the power rankings heading into this spring training. And we're going to count down from 30 to 1. I want some general reactions from Paulie, who we know is a savant who loves this game. Check out his podcast, The Baseball Weekend Journal, anywhere you get your favorite podcast at Baseball Weekend Journal. He's been breaking things all down throughout the winter meetings, the GM meetings, and now that we are at spring training. So, Paulie, before we get to the power rankings, uh, how excited are you that as of this recording, as of this week, Weekend, as of this edition of the Sports Cubicle, the Cubs and Sox both would have played games. Yeah, I, I'm going to be watching games all weekend. Of course, by the time people hear this, I will have probably digested a few spring training games. I mean, you know, what did I tell you first thing Friday morning? I was like getting juiced for uh, Northeastern University versus the Boston Red Sox. That's that's how excited I am about this time of year when the games start. And I know it's it's spring training games, and, and you know your your favorite players are only going to play maybe an inning if they even play, especially the early spring training games where it's a lot of no namers, guys that are going to get cut in a couple of weeks, guys that might not ever see major league action in their lives after after the season but I, I love that stuff because i think you start seeing what guys are trying out you know a lot of people put stock into spring training games uh needlessly sure you know where it's like you know oh my team only won like seven games all spring training they're gonna be bad this year and it's like yeah because they were grooving pitches in there probably pitchers trying to test out a new pitch and just hanging out. it over the mm -hmm. plate you know mm -hmm. or some guys trying to take different cuts at the ball than he normally does you know trying different things pulling the ball you know trying trying to go opposite field trying to you know so don't take too much stock in the wins and losses of the game just get excited to see how these players are developing what they're trying out what they're doing how these teams look what sort of lineups are the managers putting together so I, that's that's what I get excited about plus it's a great way to kill off an afternoon you know <laughs> when you got the day off just pop on the game get something done you know you got it on in the background it's, it'll it's get us go. it'll get us to the tournament it'll mm -hmm. get us to March Madness so all well, right and, and speaking of tournaments yeah. we also have the World Baseball class this yeah, year so that's yeah. that's something to get excited about in a couple weeks and you'll be breaking all that down and I, I love hearing your international talk because during the pandemic you really saved us with some Korean baseball <laughs> breakdown <laughs> yeah, so we'll shout you out to that what's going on yeah uh, you ready to do this because yeah, we have something important I do want to talk about at the end of this conversation but a little bit of fun before we get to something serious okay at number 30 Cincinnati Reds okay and number 29 the Washington Nationals yeah 28 the Oakland Athletics. Yeah, I, I might put the A's a little bit lower than the Nationals, but okay. but yeah, the, the, those essentially the three that you named off right there are the teams that are totally rebuilding, not expected to do anything great. You might see some great players bubble up to the surface that you didn't hear about before. So what about teams like at 28, the Athletics, at 27, the Tigers, at 26, the Rockies, at 25, the Royals, and at 24, the Pirates? Don't sleep on any of those teams because I think you know that's the next tier of um, they're not rebuilding anymore. They're definitely you know making strides towards being competitive teams. Now I don't think 
any one of those four teams that you named are going to make the playoffs this year, but don't sleep on teams like the Tigers. You know, they have great talent on those teams. You know, um, you know, we have yet to see Spencer Torkelson break out and be the the stud that he was supposed to be, or you know, Riley Green be as good as he was going to be. So I, you know, don't sleep on a team like that. You saw flashes of the Pirates last year, you know, with um I think O'Neill Cruz and Key Brian Hayes, guys like that, you know, are gonna be really good. Um Pirates are a little bit of a mess right now, but I think they're better than people give them credit for. Um, well, the Royals have always kind of seemed like they're rebuilding, but they've got great talent. They're bringing back Zach Granke again this year. So, you know, I think they still have Whit Merrifield as well. You know, there's there's talent on that roster, um, and it's an easy division. So, I mean, that, you know, Tigers-Royals could be a sleeper team that could win the division just based on the fact that they play in a weak division and the White Sox, Guardians, and um, Twins don't scare me. And we'll circle back to both AL and NL Centrals as we go along here locally for Cubs and White Sox. I'm glad you you brought that up. At 23, the Miami Marlins. And at 22, the San Francisco Giants. But we get to number 21, the Chicago Cubs. Now, spending just a few minutes on each team, but I think what's interesting about the Cubs it, it's one of two things. I know it's pretty easy to say just because of of averages, but I think this Cubs season could go either way. I think they could either win the NL Central or they win 77 games. I think there's a chance that this team can win a weak division or can struggle and ship off a lot of bullpen arms, can ship off some, some expiring contracts and still be looking forward to the future for a few more years with some of these young guys that they brought in, looking into maybe the Shohei Atani sweepstakes, whatever that may be. But I see the Cubs... It's just a fork of the road. It's two ways it can go. I don't think they're going to be an eighty-one and eighty, you know, an eighty-one win team. They could be right at five hundred the like, way they're built, perhaps. But like, I that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's going to be one of these. They're going to win ninety something games, or they're going to no. win sixty games. Like, no. I think it's that seventy-seven to eighty-three win. They're and, a five hundred team, much yeah. like they were last year. But I think we kind of pegged them at five hundred or below. Mm-hmm. And I forgot where they ended up, but it was close to five hundred. It was right around. It was like 77, 78. Yeah, it was, it was somewhere yeah. about where I thought yeah. they would be. Yeah. This year, they're a little bit better. Than than they were last year. Defensively, they look nice. Defensively, they look nice. Yeah. Offensively, they look nice. Pit- yeah. it, it all depends on the pitching pipeline. Yeah, which which is looks better. young and nice. Yeah, yeah. young and nice. Yeah, better than it has in years. I think it's easy to be optimistic if you're a Cubs it, fan. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, you know, you're looking at it through cubby colored yeah. lenses yeah. right now, and I think and against the few years that we've seen, this looks so much more yeah. promising. That yeah, it and, totally and of be course right. you're comparing it to a, a weak Central yeah, Division, hundred percent more than you already named mm-hmm. off two teams below them mm-hmm. that shouldn't be expected to do mm-hmm. anything. But there's a lot of question marks with, you know, you know, yeah, it's nice to get a scratch and win on Cody Bellinger. But because is if, he it, gonna, yeah. if it hits, you know, this is a guy that was MVP 100%. quality a few years ago. 100%. But at the same time, there's maybe a reason for that drop. And are you going to pay him if he snaps? That, and that too. And then yeah. Eric Hosmer is another one, which is like an older, less higher of a ceiling. But now, at the same time, it could all click. If Matt Mervis like clicks, yeah, yeah. If Justin Steele, if you get Cody Hoyer, like there are plenty of young well, people. The, you know, can Patrick Wisdom hit the ball? You know, can you know, like, oh, where, where's Horner going to fit into things? Like the know? kids that yeah. are down in the in the in the minor yeah, like, right like now, Brennan Davis, yeah. uh, those guys. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about with the Cubs. But honestly, I'd be shocked if they win the division. Yeah, this year. I mean, I, I'm as a betting person, just because of what the Sharks are giving me as odds, yeah. I'm willing to say they'll win a division on a betting board. Yeah, I don't know in reality if we're making predictions like, oh, they're going to win the NL Central. Mm. But if you're willing to give me decent odds on a betting website, sure. I'll take it simply. I like they some might of the be moves. fun to play game to game on the. That's run what it's going to be. Though, yeah, they're going to be. A, that's what I think more than it is, Paulie. And we'll move on from the list because I do want to get to some White Sox too. Is I think more than anything, they're a pro team now. Mm-hmm. It's like they're going to be in games, so they might the games that they lost by accident or because they were a bad team, they might win, and that changes the entire season. Cub fans do not book your tickets to late October into a series World Series, but. September might be interesting. No, but at least we don't have to bide our time exactly. waiting for Jason Hayward's contract yes. to end. Bingo. You know, they're Thank not you. they're not committed to bad Shout money. They're not committed yeah. to bad players. Mm-hmm. That, you know, they they're at a point where, like you were saying, they could be in on the Shohei Otani sweepstakes mm-hmm. next year. They, they might be a couple players yeah. away. You yeah. know, kind of fill in some rushes. This is going to be the year where you see um, that next Cubs division champion or that next Cubs playoff team. Some of the core members are oh, probably going to be popping up this year. It's a great way of putting it. Yeah, there's definitely that opportunity of of seeing that mixture, those ingredients become something. Whether it ends up with a commissioner's trophy or just ends up with an entertaining team, 
it's all within the realm of possibilities. But we'll run through a couple of these really fast because I do want to end up with the the good guys on the south side. So at 21, the Chicago Cubs will be cu- covering that and seeing how that plays out. Of course, Baseball Weekend Journal, Paulie, Dangerous is you, all over You it. mentioned Miami already, and I yeah. think they're going to be an interesting team. I, yeah. think, I think that's a team that people are sleeping on, especially after they made that they trade. Cy Young. The, uh, yeah, Cy Young award winner, but mm-hmm. they traded Pablo Lopez for mm-hmm. uh, Luis Arias from the Twins. Mm-hmm. That kind of fills them out a little bit. Yeah, they got rid of their captain, uh, Miguel Rojas, going to the, the Dodgers, but... I, that's an interesting team that yeah. they're building in Miami, and, and they're in a tough division. Yeah, tough, division, tough division, tough, very tough yes, division. Yeah. But, but um, an interesting team nonetheless. So twenty-one, the Cubs. Twenty, Arizona. We're going to run through these a little bit fast. See, Arizona surprised me how high they are, but at I the know, same time, I, I think I think people sleep on them a lot. Yeah. And maybe that's why. That'll be something as we go on later on this this uh, train, uh, spring training we'll talk about. Red Sox at 19, Orioles at 18, the Rangers at 17. Another team you and I are really going to have to talk about because of uh, the amount of spending and some of the the Jacob DeGrom deal. So we'll get into that as the season goes a little Plus bit deeper. Bruce Bochy at the helm, too. Yeah. So like, Which is interesting. That's a team that mm-hmm. should be performing better than 17th. At 16, the Los Angeles Angels, a team that both teams in Chicago are going to have interest in. A lot of interesting players, a lot of moving parts. We'll see what happens if they decide to actually sell the team. I don't think they got the amount of money they were hoping to maybe get offered, which is why you've seen it kind of cool down a little bit. But at 16, the LA Angels are really interesting. i got to look at rosters again, but yeah. uh, Brandon Drury seems to be the only name that pops out to me that they improve their roster with. Yeah, they we do this every year with yeah. the Angels. Like, uh, yeah, we do. I, I yeah. mean, how many games did uh, Trout and Otani finally play together last year, and they still could you know, improve things. So, I, you know, I know they're no longer committed to that bad Albert Pujols contract. Uh, Anthony Rendon didn't work out quite the way that they thought it would. I and now um, Artie Moreno is not planning on selling the that team. That was a thing, uh huh. So, mm-hmm. so the, I mean, you know, is it going to be more of the same with the Angels? I expect it to be. I'd be, I'd be shocked this year too if they made the playoffs. But at the same time, I think now that the Astros won another World Series, you're going to see a little bit of a drop off from them. And I don't know if Seattle's totally real yet. And of course, we have the Texas Rangers in the fold as well. So, oh, yeah. and it's it's an interesting division. I just think people, because of Otani and Trout, are very high on the Angels. And two players aren't going to win it for you. You need to. Feel 25 every single day. You're here on the Sports Cubicle. It's the marvelous one. Dan Marver, Devin Tingle, Paul Chivari, and myself, Mike Mercado. We are looking at these power rankings from ESPN.com as we have our Cubbies and our Sox playing their first games in spring training. And speaking of the White Sox, we saw the Cubs at 21. Both Paul and I are interested to see how this plays out for this new look Cubs team, a new, really nice looking defensive team, but a team that's looking for the bounce back at 15. Are Chicago White Sox as well. So we have the Cubs and White Sox about six ranking yeah. from apart. And I think and they're being very generous to the White okay, Sox. Okay, I wanted to go weird. this way like, with like, you. Like, okay. It surprises yeah. me that they would have the Rangers and the Angels below the White Sox, mm-hmm. considering, you know, we, we've talked about it ad nauseum on, on this show mm-hmm. about what they didn't do in the offseason. And, and then the fact that, you know, you don't even know right now if Mike Clevenger is really going to fulfill his 30 wins if he's. So hold on yeah, to that Clevenger yeah, okay, thing because yeah. that'll be the you end know, so of like, this so conversation. We, so we still yeah. have like yeah. rotation issues. Use. Um, yeah. All of that stems on can Pedro Grafal keep the team accountable, you know, for their actions. But I just heard a recent interview with Tim Anderson where he's trying to blame the media for some of the the stuff around the team. And at, at the same time, it's like you guys didn't win. You guys were a mess. Don't blame the media for that. So that is something that I, I hope you and Devin are really going to get a chance to break through over the next few weeks, whether it's this edition of the Sports Cubicle or the next few weeks of kind of that new feel from that interview that came out with Chuck Garfine and Tim Anderson. Uh, Tim Anderson. So I will lo- I'm will. i so excited to hear two White Sox perspective, two White Sox fans and somebody like you who's a lover of baseball and the history and kind of seeing how this White Sox team went from those are some cool players, those are our guys, to what is wrong with them in three years? Let's, let me plant this right yeah. now. This is the first red flag because because okay. like I was saying, it all stems on Grafal being able to hold the team accountable. That was number one, what yeah. Grafal said when he came in was accountability. But then when you have Tim Anderson blaming the media for the way they were covering the team, that says to me that the message has not resonated enough with him. I know Grafal can't control everything that comes out of Tim's mouth, but that seems like a total lack of accountability to, you know, you got to ride with us, you know, we got to be pulling from the same string, you know, saying things like that. And it's like, no, you guys were a mess. Mm-hmm. You guys were a total mess. I don't want to list all of the reasons right now. We need to move on from 2022. And, and, and already that's a bad start. 2023 is off yep. to a bad start and they have yet to throw a pitch as you and I are, are, are it's recording so this. It's so frustrating, Paulie. And we have to move on because we could do this for the next 
30 <laughs> shows on the white and all this. But yeah, I think I think ESPN's finally being generous yeah, on the White Sox yeah. with this list. So we'll and we'll circle back to the Clevenger thing in just a moment. So we'll run through these really fast, okay? At 14, you have the Minnesota Twins. Okay. At 13, the Brewers. At 12, the Guardians. And at 11, the Cardinals. Just a quick minute on, on that. This well, is what I'm saying, One of those though, four teams has got to win their division. This is exactly my point. Is One of those four teams has got to win that division. To, right? And if it's not one of those four teams. But this is right now where you're listening to all these like fringe teams. Like, Of course, someone is going to have to be the division representative in the playoffs and get into the divisional round automatically. But And the wild card weirdness. The, the wild card weirdness. Yeah, so one of these teams might end up in the wild card. You know, But... It's these are these you're at that point now of the list of these fringy. Well, they should be better than what we're giving them credit for, but they are not as good as the teams that you're about to list off. Which is why I think White Sox and Cub fans should have some form of a little bit of optimism in February and March because you're not looking at the teams that we're going to see on the top half. But this They're is right some there sort for of you. arbitrary power course, ranking list. Course, and power rankings have really no science to course, it other than February, preference. No. Yeah, it's but it's, it's, all, it's all preference. Hey, hey. And, and I think the White Sox are miles behind the Cardinals. We we have an hour to fill, okay? I know. We, we okay, need to do that. Yeah. Hey, 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 Paul, okay? The fans but, of the sports keep it going. But, but where, where are the Cardinals ranked? 11, you said? Yeah. And the White Sox are 15. Yeah. And I think there's way more space in between the and quality I disagree. of those two teams. We're purely off talent and what expectations are and what ceilings are and what projections are. These teams, I do feel, are a lot closer than historically speaking. Yeah. But this is why I'm telling you. I'll it, let you know in a month. For sure. But this is why, <laughs> you know, we make the joke of it. It's only February. Yeah, it's, yeah. We got to fill content is, you know, just wait until, what, August when we're doing NFL power rankings. Yeah, and, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. talking about Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr. But we'll go by these really fast so that we can get Paulie a few minutes on Clevenger. Ten is the Mariners. Nine are the Rays. Eight are the Phillies. Seven are the Blue Jays, six are the Dodgers, five are the Padres, four are the Mets, three are the Yankees, two are the Braves, and one are your defending Major League Baseball World Series champion Houston Astros. Paulie, in one minute, your thoughts of the top tier teams. It sounds about right, right? The Rays... I can't figure out the Rays, and that's maybe my problem, but I, I don't think they deserve to be a top 10 team. I get why they're always up there, because you know I always sleep on them. A lot of people always sleep on them, but I don't see how they improved. And, and with, with, I'd have to look at rosters. I forgot yeah. there's there's a key loss to that team. You know, I think, you know, G-Man Choi, I think, is on the Pirates now, I want to say. You know, so it's like... There's some moves You, you lose made. some of the, the chemistry or some of the, the look of that team a little bit, but they always seem to crank out great pitchers out of nowhere. So, I think Rays are a little bit too high on the list. I think, you know, People love the Mets for some reason. Spend a lot of money. I I don't think adding Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander are going to be the complete thing. What? And I know you'll break this down on uh, Baseball Weekend Journal. Who regrets? Who's going to regret their moves more? The Rangers signing the Grom or the Mets signing Verlander Scherzer? Performance wise. Performance wise, probably the Mets just because they're committing to two old gotcha. dudes gotcha. and the bottom okay. should drop off. But at the same time, the Rangers know the injury history that comes with DeGrom. Yeah. And and the Rangers kind of feel like we've seen this happen with teams before. Like the the Padres from like 10 years ago kind of did this where it's like they go kind of all in on guys like Adrian Gonzalez and dudes yeah. like that. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, on paper, this team looks like a bunch of killers, but then they struggle to get to 500 and then they have to blow the whole thing up and start over. That's what the Rangers, the Rangers should be good. But that's what the Rangers feel like to me. Yeah, it's like, okay. all right, you committed a lot of money to like four or five good players. Can you get that return? So Paulie will be all over this. He's one of the best in the business. I, I I love hearing him go ahead and nerd out, dork out, and meatball out for Major League Baseball. It's the Baseball Weekend Journal. But as we wrap up here on this uh, segment of the Sports Cubicle, Mike Lovinger. Still a White Sox, gonna pitch, no repercussions. We'll see all this allegedly. His lawyer's talking about suing 670 the but score. Has he? I mean, the, no, I think not the yet, scores they haven't received they anything. Haven't received yet. And, and even then, I don't think there's any case there. You know, the, the, the yeah, potential there's still defamation, defamation case. No. Because, you know, it's, it's, they're talking to the uh, accuser. What, what's weird to me is. Did did this woman get advice from her lawyers that mm-hmm. it was okay to go on the radio and talk about this? I know there's not a criminal investigation going on. It's a domestic violence MLB investigation. Mm-hmm. So that you know, the worst they can do is just suspend him. He's not going to see jail time for it. But it just seems weird to me that during an ongoing investigation, she would crow to the media about it. I know that the the station did their due diligence or you know did did their responsibility from a journalistic standpoint to give her the the um the platform the platform yeah the mm-hmm. voice. Um, 
So I don't know, and I and I don't want to take sides on this thing because sure. this is like the Trevor Bauer thing is everyone's quick to vilify him, but we don't know what happened exactly. And I and I think that it's it's the twofold thing of like, well, you should listen to a woman when she's crying about domestic violence, but at the same time, not every woman is completely forthright and honest. So you don't know unless you're there investigating the facts and talking to these people and looking into those things. So I'm not gonna choose a side, but at the same time, I think. He, I didn't listen to her interview, so I can't really speak to her, but I heard what Clevenger said, and he seems really immature about all of this, yeah. and it's not making him look good at all. It doesn't make the organization look good either. I Yeah, and, it will, yeah, and that... that you know the organization has already done a lot of things where it's like we don't really know we can't really trust the the Chicago White Sox as as an organization the way they go about their business and if it's found out you know obviously Major League Baseball is gonna and you know act if if he did something wrong um, but if if the White Sox if it's proven that the White Sox were aware of this when they signed him when there was guys like Johnny Cueto still available that wanted to play on the team that's a terrible look for the White Sox so I, I'm I'm hoping that all of this is a bunch of noise but I anticipate that we're not going to see Mike Clevenger make his final start in September for the ball club. And we'll see these allegations, domestic violence, domestic abuse towards the the woman in question and, of course, the child, their child. So we'll see how this plays out. And we are so fortunate to have one of the best in the business who's going to cover all this stuff on the field, off the field, uh, in the front office and everything in between. It's the Baseball Weekend Journal with our very own Pauly Dangerous, Paul Shivari. Let us know your thoughts. We're on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. The story with Michael Clevenger, how has it affected you as a White Sox fan and your relationship with the team? What are your thoughts of the power rankings? Where did your favorite? Team land. We're on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. Patrick Kane with the shot. Oh, that puck is in. It's stuck in the. It ends up in the far back side. Word has gotten to the Blackhawks what you have just seen. The playoff MVP, 22 years of age. Jonathan Tate, come hoist the Stanley Cup. Those are sounds that everyone in Chicago, every Chicago Blackhawks fan will know that final game, game six of the Stanley Cup in 2010, overtime, goal wins, everything is great. We got two great young players and Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tate are going to lead this team to two more Stanley Cup championships. That was 2010, though. That was 13 years ago now. And here we are in 2023, and the Chicago Blackhawks are not what they used to be. They are dead last at a 21-32 and 32 record in the Central Division over there in the Western Conference. They are not going to make the playoffs this year. There is no hope, chance whatsoever here. And with the trade deadline coming up on March 5th, it really is a kind of sort of thing of what's going on here with guys like Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane. Everyone knows the Chicago Blackhawks are in a rebuild here, and they're going to be bad. They're not going to win the Stanley Cup this year. But what they need to do is they need to start, you know, making some of the changes here. And two of the big names are Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane. And it's a matter of what's going on here. Now, Jonathan Taze has waived his no-trade clause, so the Blackhawks can trade him. But Taze has been out since January 28th as he's dealing with long-term COVID and He's actually released this statement, which reads, First of all, thank you to the fans and all those who have shown concern about my absence. I'm still dealing with the symptoms of long COVID and chronic immune response syndrome. It has been really challenging to play through these symptoms. In the last few weeks, it has reached the point where I had no choice but to step back and concentrate on getting healthy. I am thankful for the patience and support of my teammates, the coaching staff, and the entire Blackhawks organization. Statement from Jonathan Taze. And I mean, that is kind of his thing here. Jonathan Taze is still dealing with long-term COVID here. And also, Jonathan Taze is not anywhere the player he used to be here. And especially going to this now, the trade deadline, it's a matter of, is anyone going to want Jonathan Taze? I mean, he's, you know, he's waived his uh, no-trade clause from his contract, so they can trade him. But it's a matter of, does any team want him right now? And I mean, that's just the thing right now. He is not healthy here. And I mean, 
who wants to go and take an unhealthy player here? I mean, he's got 14 goals and 14 assists through 46 games this year. And I showed you the record. They've played more than 46 games here. And it's just one of those things. It's a little bit sad seeing a guy like Jonathan Taze, who was once the hero that this team got, this uh, the hero that the city got and this team got, the captain. And now here he is just very much a shell of himself here. And we we don't even know if he's going to be healthy enough to, you know, play the rest of the season right now. He's dealing with long-term COVID. That is never fun here. You know, guy's 34 years old, and he's just he's been trying. He's got that effort here, but... It's just kind of a bit of a shame here to see this, what's going on here. This, you know, great Jonathan Taze. And in the business side, it's also like, okay, you're not going to be able to trade Taze if he's not healthy. And I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, we're not sure if Taze will be here next year. But the way I see it, unless he can get healthy within a week and prove that he's, you know, can still go, he will end this season as a Chicago Blackhawk because no one is going to want to take a chance on a guy like Jonathan Taze, especially if he's not healthy, and especially a guy who has not been performing anywhere to the level he used to be and then of course we have Patrick Kane and you know there's a there's a a saying that a wise person once said no decision is still a decision and you know we do this a lot you know we will always wait till the last minute you know oh it's like oh we gotta file our taxes right now let's do it or oh uh, I gotta go get my car in for emissions because I got two days to get this done here And that is what it feels like right now with the Chicago Blackhawks and Patrick Kane. I think they're going to wait until the trade deadline and do the most Chicago sports thing possible. Trade him for much less than he's worth. And that just seems to be where it's going here. And I mean, the Rangers and the Maple Leafs both showed early interest in Patrick Kane. But they got sick of waiting. You know, the Rangers went and got power forward, you know, picked up power forward uh, Vladimir Trosko, and Toronto added two-way center Ryan O'Reilly. And that's it. They're done. They don't need Patrick Kane anymore. And Patrick Kane says he's regretting that the uh, door to the New York Rangers is closed. But it's like, Patrick, you, you have not gotten rid of your no-trade clause. Like, this is the thing here. And, I mean, I don't know what it is here. It's like... Is it just the nostalgia of the uh, Stanley Cup era? It's like, that's gone, Patrick. You are never going to win another Stanley Cup with the Chicago Blackhawks. If I were you, I would want to be traded to a better team to get one more ring, one more Stanley Cup here. I get the whole nostalgia and the feel and the love of the city of Chicago. But at the same time here, if the Blackhawks want to continue to win in the future, these two guys got to go. Jonathan Taze gets in. I have a strange feeling Jonathan Taze is going to stick with this team to the end of the season, just due to injury. But Patrick Kane, what is your damn excuse? What is your excuse? Why do you want to stay here? Why do you not want to help this team here? And this is what it is. There is a business side. And Patrick, you leaving is the best thing for business right now for the Chicago Blackhawks to trade you for some better young players or some better draft picks here. But I don't know. This seems like the most Chicago thing they could do, though. But the most Chicago thing they would do would be keeping Patrick Kane. And, you know, you, you know, it's just like the Cubs. They kept Wilson Contreras this year. And then what? They got rid of him. They didn't re-sign him. He went to St. Louis. And we're going to see the same thing with Patrick Kane here. The Blackhawks aren't going to re-sign him when his contract's up. He's going to go somewhere else. And then it's like, guess what? We wasted it. We've just wasted the potential here. So, I mean, I can't go and change Patrick Kane's mind so that he wants to get rid of that uh, no-trade clause that he has in his contract. But Patrick, come on, man. Come on. Your stats this year, Patrick. Can I, can I call you Patrick? 54 games played. 16 goals, 29 assists. I mean, you're having a pretty good year for a guy who is about... For a guy who's 34 years old. Same as uh, Jonathan Taze, I believe. That's not terrible. They could definitely find a team that would take Patrick Kane here. So I did a little bit of research, and let's just, you know, take a little bit of a look here. You know, you're 34 years old. That's not terrible for a guy your age, for a man your age, I should say. You know, you're no longer a guy or a kid anymore here. But let's just try to figure out, like, where could Patrick Kane go now that the Rangers and the Maple Leafs are no longer an option here? Dallas Stars could be a place that Patrick Kane lands. You know, we all know they've been looking for someone to play on Tyler Seguin's wing. And, you know, Dallas is currently one of the top teams in the West. And Dallas is currently first place in the uh, West Central Division. I believe they're actually the top team overall in the West. Uh, I'm sorry, they're, the, uh, thir- they're one of the top teams in the West, top in the Central Division. And then there's the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, Mark Stone, he's on the IR right now. 
And, you know, they have about $10 million in cap space here. And the trade deadline's coming up here. And, I mean, Golden Knights aren't afraid to make a splash. We all know this. They're not the Blackhawks. They're not afraid to do something right now. Crazy concept here. So I could totally see Patrick Kane going to Vegas. And the Golden Knights currently are in first place in the Pacific Division of the Western Conference. They got the best record in all the Western Conference. And I believe they have the best record in all of the NHL right now. So, I mean, Patrick Kane would be... You can't go wrong getting Patrick Kane, I really guess, when on that team. Then there's the Edmonton Oilers. Just, you know, Patrick Kane, Connor McDavid, and Leon Drasani. Drasaddle. You know, Patrick Kane and Connor McDavid, you know, I mean, good luck to any defender and goalie who's facing those uh, those two. And yes, cap space might be a little bit of an issue with a team like the Edmonton Oilers, but you know, it's not the worst idea. And then Carolina Hurricanes, you know. You know, Max uh, went down with that season-ending injury, and the Hurricanes really need some help scoring right now here. And Patrick Kane's having a pretty good season, or a pretty decent season. I could see it happening. And then, of course, the New York Rangers. I mean, everyone's still saying the Rangers are going to go after Patrick Kane, but I think that door is closed. They got who they needed. Patrick, you waited too damn long. You're like that shy, nerdy kid who's too afraid to ask a pretty girl to school dance, and now she's going with someone else just because you waited. So, I mean, I don't know. The day they're going to sell those Kane and Taze jerseys to those people that live in the past that haven't watched hockey since 2016 forever. But quite frankly, I think both men just thank you for your service, but you need to go. And only one of these guys I think is actually going to be worth something and go anywhere here. I mean, I've been saying they should have traded Taze years ago, like two years ago at least, but now I don't think he's going anywhere because I don't think he'll be healthy in time for the trade deadline. And no one, I don't see any team taking a chance on a guy who isn't healthy right now, especially with the trade deadline. But Patrick Kane... Wave your damn trade wa uh, clause. You know, you're acting like every game could be your last here. But you're just too afraid. I don't know what it is here. There's just... just explain it to me why you want to stay here. It, to me, it just feels selfish. But, you know, I want to thank both these men for all their years and all the just amazing moments and memories they have uh, brought to Chicago and the Blackhawks. And, I mean, I've been really poo-pooing on them and kind of being mean towards them, but that's just who I am. But they really did a lot for the city of Chicago. Three Stanley Cups, you know, just something that a team like the Blackhawks weren't even on TV at one point. To now have a legacy that almost was a dynasty, if you really think about it. So I might get in trouble here, but I'm going to play a little bit of Chelsea Dagger to close us out here. Or to take us into break, I should say. So uh, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, and the entire city of Chicago. This one goes out to you. not every day in the media world where somebody like myself, a blowhard, gets the opportunity to say that they were right, I told you so, and they don't take that opportunity because this is a story, this is a moment that I don't think is something that anybody should gloat about, should be happy about, should be trying to say scoreboard about, and we're going to get all into the Alonzo Ball official news of him being shut down in just a little bit here on the Sports Cubicle. It's the marvelous one, Dan Marver, Devin Single, Paul Shabari, and myself, Mike Mercado, and this comes to us from our friends over at The Athletic by Darnell Mayberry. The Chicago Bulls have shut down point guard Lonzo Ball for the remainder of the season as he continues to deal with discomfort in his left knee, the team announced Tuesday. Here's what you need to know. One, Ball hasn't played this season following his latest knee surgery in September of 2022. And two, 
The 25-year-old took the court on January 14th, 2022, before being diagnosed with a small meniscus tear and bone bruise. He's undergone two surgeries since. Here's what the bull said. Quote, despite making significant increases in strength and function over the past several months, Bulls guard Alonzo Ball continues to experience performance-limiting discomfort during participation in high-level basketball-related activities, said Bulls Executive Vice President Arturis Karnaschovas. Quote, considering the required time period to achieve the necessary level of fitness to return to play and the current stage of the NBA season, Ball will not return this season. The focus for Ball will continue to be on the resolution of his discomfort and a full return for the 2023-2024 NBA season. And just a little bit more backstory, if you haven't heard, and I suggest you guys check out the entire or, or the entire article over at the Athletic. But just a quick backstory: after initial surgery on January 20th, 2022, the team gave Ball a 68-week timeline, but he missed the Bulls' remaining 47 regular season games and the playoff games of the 2021-2022 season. Seven weeks later, Coach Billy Donovan said Ball was still having discomfort in his left knee because of the bone bruise. And at that point, we knew that the other surgery was coming. And check out the entire article over at The Athletic by Darno Mayberry. Bull shut down Lonzo Ball for the rest of season. What's the concern level around his development? I think this is just one of those rare moments where even if you saw it coming, even if you were someone like me or Marvelous over the last few months, even since last season, not sure if he was going to play. You didn't want to be right. You shouldn't want to be right about this, this situation, this injury. Lonzo Ball plays the, the game the right way. He's a student of the game. He plays hard. He cares about his teammates. He tries to stay under the radar. And he's just been dealt a a tough card a tough hand when it comes to his injuries he hasn't played a full season and the one season that he played a lot of games in I think it was only like 60 games it was the proving year so that he would want and have teams coming after him I think more than anything you see how big of an impact how much the front office really entrusted, believed, and built this roster around Lonzo Ball. And what frustrates me more than anything is knowing the possibility that Lonzo wasn't going to play this season. Let's just put everything on the table, okay? Best case scenario, he was healthy, wasn't feeling any discomfort, there wasn't a a bone bruise, he was going to play this season. He wasn't going to play all 82. He wasn't going to play 72. He wasn't going to play 62. He's just not built that way. 25 years old, he's got a lot of time still to change change that that perception. But as of right now, that's just what it is. One of your abilities is availability. And he's just shown that that's just something that he can't have at that type of level that many times. So you go into the season signing a Dragic, but you don't bring anybody to really – Put that team together. A point guard to do that. A point guard to manage your roster, the offense, the defense. You didn't bring anybody in. You didn't bring anybody to facilitate the offense between two ball-dominant shooters, stars in this league in the Marn Zach. Mark Eversley and AK knew that going into the season. It's a team that has a whole lot of guards and not a lot of point guards. This team needed somebody who could run the transition, who could set up the offense, who will play defense. And we talked about it last week. You know, we we just had the All-Star game, and DeMar, one of the only players who played hard, with Giannis and LeBron and Kyrie and and some of these other dudes. But it is frustrating more than anything. I'm not going to give Lonzo a hard time for this. He knows when his body's ready to play, and I want him out there when he's ready to play, when he's going to be an asset to this team and his teammates. You don't want him out there at 60%, 70% when 
Why are you going to do that? Why would you do that to another human? And then why would you put your organization in that spot? But you needed to do something. So even though I'm not blaming, blaming Lonzo, you should have awareness and gun anything you could to get a point guard in this in this team that is in Kobe White or Iowa. Iowa, second round pick, a young, a sophomore in this league, trying to still figure out everything. Kobe White, we know, can drop 20 points, 30 points, go on a crazy hot streak from the three-point arch. We know he can go crazy. He's not going to be your starting point guard. Dragic is too old. Caruso is going to do that, and Caruso is going to be injured too because of the style of basketball he plays. So this it's just going to keep coming back to this over and over again. What did you do this trade deadline? What did you do this past offseason? What are you doing now? With all these uncertainties, all these injuries, and you didn't make any move. You didn't do any. Patrick Beverly's nice. We'll talk about Patrick Beverly throughout the show. And I think he is going to be a spark. But if your team needs Patrick Beverly to come in, not to help you get over the hump, not to to fix a, a leak that you have on the ship, but to be a motivator, to be the, the spark, the fire under the butts of these players, you have an issue. You're not a good team. You shouldn't be sitting here trying to get into the play-in and just to get mollywop by Milwaukee. Like there is, it. that's where it's frustrating. And that's where you can blame the front office. That's where you should blame the front office. What do you do at this point? Where do you go at this point? Next offseason, the Chicago Bulls are going to do the exact same thing they did this offseason. They're going to go all in on Lonzo Ball again. And look, at he'll probably play next year. Or, and it's maybe not as likely, but it is a possibility, he ends up like Brandon Roy. All the talent in the world, all the potential in the world, all the, the respect among the league, all the want from the league to be great, the body may not be able to handle it. And what do you do then? What do you do with Vucevic being a free agent? Are you going to be the only team in on him? What are you going to do with DeMar and Zach? Are you just in this for two home playoff games? Heck, you might not even get that. You might not get past the play-in. What is the goal for this team? Mind you, while you're doing all that, you still have a reputation you got to get the stink off of. You know, DeMar helps, Vooch helps, giving Zach the contract helps, Patrick Beverly coming in helps. But you got to make sure that you don't deteriorate any type of notion or reputation that you're building to be pro player, to bring them in. Where is this team going to be when Anthony Edwards is available or when somebody needs to leave Phoenix? How are they going to get draft picks back? How are they going to put themselves in a position to get a true, true top-tier star? Zach is nice. DeMar is nice. But you've seen what this team is with those guys being ball-dominant and yet not having Lonzo Ball is the reason why your team took that huge spiral at the end of the second half of last year, if that we're not talking about Chris Paul, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Steph Curry, you know Trey Young, any of these other point guards, Lonzo's a nice player, but what does that say about the roster you built? And what do you? Okay, you get him back. What's your answer to Giannis, to Embiid, to Tatum? Give me the answers. I know it's hard. I know if it, if it were easy, you all be general managers. But these are the frustrations when you hear what a good guy, a good player like Lonzo's going through, and he's going to get a brunt of this heat when the front office didn't do their due diligence and make sure they had some type of backup plan. But we'll see how the Patrick Beverly signing does through the next few 24 games and we'll see what kind of fit he is. We know Zach wants to play with them. So I'm very interested to see how this all comes out, but we want to know your thoughts. We're on Twitter at sports cubicle TV. Officially Lonzo ball has been shut down for the rest of the season. Will he play next season? Will he play again? What will the bulls do 
at the point guard position going into this offseason. Let us know your thoughts. We're on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. It's something we've been talking about throughout the entire edition of the Sports Cubicle here on WCPT 820 AM with the marvelous one, Dan Marver, Devin Siegel, Paul Shavari, myself, Mike Mercado. But Patrick Beverly has made his return, has made his way home to the Chicago Bulls. This comes to us again from The Athletic over by Darnell Mayberry. Make sure you guys check out The Athletic. They do an amazing job. If you're a sports fan, uh, it's one of the must-reads, must-haves if you need news and stories and whatnot. But Patrick Beverly finally lands with the Bulls. Quote, I get a chance to come home. Zach Levine revealed he has recruited Patrick Beverly for at least the last couple of seasons. Quote, he's just somebody you hate to play against, Levine said Wednesday. Quote, but love as a teammate. In his 11th season, the Chicago native is finally with the Bulls. It's a destination Beverly desired long before being waived by Orlando and joining the Bulls via the post-trade deadline buyout market. Quote, I get a chance to come home and represent the city in a fashion that later on in my career I can do. He said, the players, me, DeMar, me and Zach, were really good friends. Contract years I've been trying to get here for the longest. I'm fortunate it worked out this way. And you can check out the entire article over at The Athletic by Darnell Darnell Mayberry. Patrick Beverly, finally lands with the Bulls. And, you know, it's something that I get a lot of flack for, that I'm not excited about the move, that, you know, it's just more indifferent. It's not anything against Patrick Beverly. I think Patrick Beverly is actually a really nice fit for the Bulls. I think Patrick Beverly would have been a nice fit for a lot of teams who are trying to get over the hump or looking for that extra piece. What I don't understand is what does Patrick Beverly do for you in the long term to get to a championship? Probably nothing, right? He probably ends up in the starting lineup. We'll find out their first game is on Friday night. So by the time you hear this, we will find out what the rotation looks like, what the lineup looks like. But I think before, We're going to have time to talk about all the critiques. We kind of did already talking about the Lonzo issue and what it all meant. But the positives, I do think, more than anything, let's just talk positives when it comes to Patrick Beverly, a hometown kid coming home, because it is a cool story. The positives are you're getting a pro, you're getting a dog, the kind of dude that whether he was working at a bank in the NBA as a florist, as a carpenter, he'd give it 110%. He'd go all in. Everything will be the biggest job he's done. So that's great to have on your team. And it's great for that to be the representation, both nationally and locally, on your team. I think more than anything, he's going to keep people accountable. Now, what does that say about your franchise, your roster, whatever the mentality has been this season? That's its own thing. He instantly is going to help install a culture, keep people accountable, keep people hustling. And I think that's super important. I think that's something that this this particular Bulls team, this group of players has missed this particular season. And I think something else, and it's something we've brought up a bunch of times, is optics. You have to do good by players in this league. There's a new TV deal coming up, a new CBA coming up. You're going to have money. You want to be in a position to win championship number seven. You want to be a team that is in the running. You want to be a team that's respected, that's beloved. You just went to Paris. You saw how global your branding is. You should want to be one of the top teams. If that's the case, you need the players to come in and want to be that. You need to be a destination spot. And by bringing in Vucevic, by bringing in DeMar, by resigning Zach, by bringing in Caruso, by having Patrick Beverly, having Andre Drummond and Dragic, you are putting yourself in the good graces of the NBA circles. And that's something this team has not had for a long time. They didn't have the trust of NBA players. They didn't have the want to be one of the teams that is trusted and beloved by players. They didn't want to play ball. And it looks like now they do. And if they take care of Lonzo and they do the right thing by Lonzo, and you know, you hope Lonzo and his side are cooperative and they do their best and and whatnot. It should be able to be a good maturation for all of them. And you should be able to come out of the other side of it. You got to take advantage of it. You got to develop it. You got to nurture it. But Patrick Beverly, in the big scheme of it, just makes your team more of a, and for lack of a better word, a cool team. Can we get these guys 
that are the respected dudes around the league to play for us? Can we put ourselves in that position? Because guess what? You don't land unless you draft them, right? Unless you draft your future star, you have to recruit and you have to be a cool place. You have to have the right facilities. You have to have the right city, the right spokesperson, the right coach. The Bulls, little by little. I think Bill Donovan, Billy Donovan is a great coach. Good coach, okay? Just be conservative, a good coach. But a respected coach. And if Mark Eversley and AK are able to build and and do right by contracts, and if Jerry gets out of the way and Michael Reinsdorf is a owner that is willing to listen, to add some input, but to let the people he entrusted in those positions do their job, a move like Patrick Beverly puts you in a better position in the long term for the optics, for just the opportunity to maybe one day be in a position to get one of these top five stars that is disgruntled and you make them make Chicago home. And doing something like this is a great way to start. How he helps your roster, we can go into that. We'll get into that the next 20 games. And there's going to be some awesome moments, some frustrating moments. And I, we don't know if it leads to the sixth pick in the NBA draft or a one and done in the play-in. But I do know when it comes to integrity, when it comes to hustle, when it comes to all the the attributes and the IQ, Patrick Beverly is going to bring it every single game. And maybe by that, by proxy, everybody else will. And they'll go on a run. But they've lost six straight. So they need to answer something because they didn't do it during the trade deadline. And you know, Russell Westbrook being their first option really was a head scratcher. At least this one, he answers some things you might need. Team really needs some three-point shooting and some some defense and some hustle, but can't get it all in one offseason, I guess, right? But I think it's a great thing for Patrick Beverly. I think it's an awesome story. I think he's going to do some nice stuff for the Chicago Bulls. But other than looking at the big picture stuff, the optics, what might be, what you might be able to do in the future if you put yourself in the right position, for the short term, we'll see how it plays out. I hope for the best for him. I hope for the best for the fans and for the organization. But other than the long term that you could do good with, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fascinating. But we want to know your thoughts. First of all, what did you guys think about Russell Westbrook being one of the top targets for this front office and Patrick Beverly being the one that they signed. Let us know your thoughts. We're on Twitter at sports cubicle TV. It's the marvelous one, Dan Marver. It's Devin Tingle. It's Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado. That will do it for the sports cubicle. I want to thank you for listening for Devin Tingle, Mike Mercado and Dan Marver. I'm Paul Shavari. Thank you for listening. You're listening to WCPT 820 where facts matter. Santita starts your morning off at 6 a.m. So long. So long.